Welcome to Black People Love Fairmore Podcast, where we chat about the traditionally, quote unquote, unblack things large groups of black people go up for. Please rate us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify, but only if you're going to rate us five stars only because we are five star bitches. We're Dio Gotti. I am your co-host, Sequoia. <laughs> and I'm Jordan. <laughs> and today we are chatting about basketball. But before that, we're going to do In My Defense. I realize last episode that I never explained I usually don't explain what In My Defense is. So In My Defense is our segment where we bring one of our super niggardly or super cringeworthily white interests and we defend it for y'all. In My Defense this week, uh, I I don't have one. I'm not going to lie. I don't have one. Wow. This, the tables, the tables are turned. You know, usually Sequoia (laughs) comes in. She's got a well-researched in my defense. She's been plotting on it. She's been stewing on it for like a good couple of days. Oh, shit. You're just waiting to tell you guys about it. And now look at her. She, she's oh, like, I'm prepared. Oh you, know what I, oh, you know what I could defend, actually? Actually, this one, I, I, I just came up with this. Now I'm, now I'm doing you. I just came up with it on the fly. I could defend. And this is neither incredibly niggardly nor cringeworthy white. Uh-huh. I'm going to go ahead and defend Miss Doja Cat, okay? Now. Say more. Now, I know Miss Doja Cat, I know niggas was mad that Doja Cat was showing feet in the racist chat room, but but for me... I love being reminded of that. You know, for me, I just feel like I don't give a fuck what she does to get her rocks off. You know what I mean? If you want to show feet in the white supremacist chat room and let them call you feet nigger or whatever the fuck. That's not my business. That's not my business. They, they can't call me it. They can't call me it. But if you like that, babes, for your, I, I'm not going to yuck your yum, okay? If that's what gets you off, do you, baby. What my concern is, babes is extremely talented. The talent speaks for itself. Everything about her is so loudly and brightly talented. And this is the thing where people fuck up. This is where people fuck up. Artists today um, have more notoriety based on the foolishness that they do, a.k.a. showing feet in chat rooms, but they don't have the ability to back it up. You know what I mean? I don't have time for that. I don't have time for that. Miss Doja Cat has the ability to back up whatever the fuck foolishness she wants to do. Most of it, you know, she can't do anything now. Yeah. But she can do a lot. You know what I mean? The ability is there. She's showing feet in racial chat. I don't give a fuck about that. You know, in my defense, Doja Cat is that bitch. Leave her alone. The bars is there. The performance value is there. The visuals is there. Everything is there. And nobody going to be my ass behind it. So, yeah. Okay. <laughs> uh, okay, Sequoia, you know, you know, your friend, you know, uh, a collaborator, person I've worked with for some time now. And I, I will follow you in almost any, into battle in almost but any this scenario. this is not you know one of I mean? like, you know, <laughs> no, 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 no. All I'm saying is show your feet where you may. <laughs> but let it not be a racist chat room. You know what I mean? Now, ideally, it wouldn't be. Ideally, <laughs> but that's not what that's not where she at. You know, like you know, ideally, not like the, the. I don't want the the members of the chat room to be shopping at Bass Pro Shop. You know what I mean? I don't want them to to own any amounts of real tree camo. You know what I'm saying? And yeah. I don't I don't think that's appropriate for where your feet should should be. You know, your feet yeah. your feet are your temple, as I often say. And so the Bible too. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, so I think, I think, I don't know if I can follow you here. I don't know if I can follow you here, but I appreciate you going, I appreciate you being so vulnerable. Yo, I can't believe that this is where you draw the line. I have sat up here and defended plenty of many <laughs> fucking whites after white. 
Put up here defending Ariana Grande, all type of shit. And you draw the mm. line. It's, it's because she beige, huh? I have an open mind. <laughs> I have an open mind, but my my toe, my shoes are closed-toed. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, I don't, I don't play that. Open mind, but closed-toed shoes. That's fair. Okay. Yeah. I, I'm sending you some in, images, and I'll explain in a few. Okay. I just want you to let you know. Don't don't be alarmed by the images I'm sending. Oh, my God. I, I, I have seen these images, yes. Yeah, um, but I, you know, I will, I will explain for the the people, our, our beautiful listeners, right. in just a moment. Right. So, you know, in my in my defense, uh, this is something I've been thinking about, you know, and it, and it's no. Uh, no, I'm not about to do this. <laughs> you're no. saying no? You're, <laughs> you're, gonna, you're giving me no? No. <laughs> yeah, wait. You, you, okay, this is misleading. So you think you think uh, Sequoia thinks where I'm heading in one direction. I, I promise. Okay. I'm okay. Okay. Uh, so basically. I, I know uh, as you guys are our our listeners, you you are aware of the existence of Kanye Omari West, you know, the prolific musician, uh fashion designer, creative director, uh you know, multi hyphenate, you know, artist. Mm-hmm. Sequoia, as is documented, is a big fan. And I, I'm a big fan. I one of my three of the albums I was first like listened to as a child on a on C D player where, you know, a, a college dropout. Late registration, graduation, you know, uh, even 808s and Heartbreak. I remember getting that, you know, buying that, getting the physical CD. So this is a man who's been, his work has been in my life for a long time. But I haven't always, you know, stuck with Kanye, you know, through, you know, for, you know, we're not going to revisit some of his, you know, the highlights, the the notor- the low, or perhaps lowlights of the last few years. But there's a thing that Kanye has been doing recently in his dress, in his style of dress, you know, and Kanye, Kanye is like, you know, you know, always on the on the, a pioneer. You know, he's always a trendsetter. He's been wearing these big old, what can only be described as giant old biggity big <laughs> fisherman's waders is how I would, I would describe them. And some people, and he wears them often with like a tight pant. But these 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 uh boots are like knee high. They're bulky. They look like something a a Lego would wear if they were um, dressing for the snow. Wow. You know what I mean? And so they're very large and they're very, they're very kind of rectangular and bulky. And some people look, they look stupid. You know, people have come for him for the, like, you know, the easy croc, you know, whatever. But I'm here today on this podcast to defend this look as arguably, you know, the most (laughs) intrepid, forward thinking, positively saucy look of 2022. You know, this is the first, I think the first big silhouette style change revolution i think is occurring in front of our eyes with these big giant biggity big fisherman waiters i think they're great and i think they look good with his tiny little jeans um <laughs> i think i think jeans. it's incredible um his tiny little jeans with a little, <laughs> little, little, little paint on it i think it looks incredible i think it's an incredible look and connie's had some great looks over the years and i think this is this is up there with them i think he is seeing in a he's seeing different colors than we are you know what i'm saying he's seeing different shapes than we are yeah. and i want to commend that man connie omari west for the work that he continues to do in the the sauce department. I can't believe this shit right now. Uh, So Jordan, in fact, went directly where I thought he was going. Um, I I certainly thought he was going to defend the looks. (laughs) (laughs) I definitely thought he was going to defend these motherfucking big plot-hopping ass boots on his nigga feet, okay? (laughs) That's exactly what his ass did. And you know what? I'm gonna let you have it because you you are the fashion boy here. I am simply not a fashion boy. That's that's Jordan's perspective. Okay, that's Jordan's wheelhouse. He got it. I'm gonna let him have it. But to me, these boots Look. is a tragedy. They're a tragedy. They're tragic. They're they're. I don't even know what the fuck is going on with these right now. 
<laughs> All I'm saying is he looks like he's ready for anything. You know, like he looks like he could stop his way into the new millennium you know, with confidence. No. These, these boots look like they've seen things. Jordan, he don't look like he's ready for anything. He looked like he's ready to wade in the waters. When he said slavery was choice, he looked like he's ready to prove that to us. He looked like he's ready to wade in the waters. That's what he looked like. <laughs> Like ready to escape, nigga. These are, these are the slavery was a choice ones. These are the slavery was a choice one, dead ass. Hi, I'm Kate Casey, an unscripted TV expert. Three times a week, I interview the talent directors, producers, and hosts of television's most popular reality shows, docu-series, and documentaries. I get all the behind-the-scenes stories. I cover everything from The Bachelor Selling Sunset and Real Housewives to Tinder Swindler, The Last Dance, and Secrets of Playboy. Join me as I ask all the questions that you want asked. And best of all, I'm the most trusted source on what to watch every week. I will give you a guide on everything from true crime and sports to competition, calling from all streaming and cable networks. The best guests, the best shows and series, Reality Life with Kate Casey. <laughs> oh my god these, oh, these outfits okay I'll, i'm gonna let you i'm gonna let you get that off well we'll look maybe we'll attach some links in the show notes or something like that because i think you know you heard it here first this is this is the new wave the Kanye doing, all right now watch my dumb ass well you know what i already do really like a big chunky boot i don't like these in particular mm-hmm. but i am a notorious big clunky big soled cleat looking bottom ass boot wearing girl <laughs> you know Garrick hates it I remember my group chat erupted one day because I think Tristan said you with your ugly ass shoes or something and I said huh <laughs> <laughs> and all the boys were like yeah I hate Damn. them and all the girls were like what the fuck like no they're cute so clearly there's a divide you know what I mean there's a divide yeah no 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 they're not they're not seeing you no they're not they're, they're just, they just can't see what I can see and, 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 and obviously it's a Gemini thing um because because, you know, Kanye Omari Ress, Gemini extraordinaire, and then me, myself, Sequoia Holmes, also Gemini extraordinaire. So clearly we just have a little bit more of the forward thinkingness to it. And, and then there's Jordan, Gemini, I'm a Gemini rising, rising, right, who, you know, mm-hmm. we just have Good the forward thinkingness. And I can't help that. I don't know what to tell you, nigga. So it is what it is. Uh, shout out to Big Boots. Shout out to Big Boys with Big Boots. We love that. It's a big boy, big boots, big, biggity, biggity, big. Biggity, big, little pants, big boots. We love that. That's great. Now, what is this title of the creator photo you sent me, Jordan? Maybe you scroll through that, that little gallery. Oh, you'll oh see him Kanye again is in the, the boots, in the boots. With, with Tyler. Also, fucking shout out Tyler the Creator. I know that I've talked about Tyler the Creator on this, on this before, but I just, I can't get enough. Somebody said that Tyler um, is famous for having good taste. And I was like, wow. Mm-hmm. Wow. That is a good way to put it. I won't, I won't argue with that. He, the man has good taste and he's gone ahead and monetize that. He makes music. Yeah, no, yeah, he does. He does monetize his taste. I think I think he 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 has like kind of the people who like his his legion of stands are like Tyler Crater listens to jazz. That's so yeah. cool. You know what I mean? Like I think his taste is just less left of the taste of his his fan base. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like he's the master putter honor. You know what I'm saying? Pulling like, them to the, I feel to the like left there are people 
to the to the left a little bit in a way, and he's reaching an audience that like of a size that typically isn't isn't being exposed to these sort of things. I feel like it's part of his whole. I feel like that's that's like a an ethos of his though. I feel like he's like I want niggas to smell good yes. and to know about flowers yes. and and scents, you know, and German cars and uh, passports. What's that band called? Uh, there's that French band that he's he's the uh, that likes, but um, yeah, like he's he's definitely that's his like his whole his whole wave. And I, I think he, I think he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's like, he's like a chief influence. He's and he's doing a great job. He's really like, I feel like, a masterful sort of uh, command of a bunch of different like, um, of like ways to appeal to people. You know, I, I think that's that's really impressive and a skill in itself. You know, what? I think that Tyler doesn't like his fans. I'm just gonna say it. I don't think that Tyler hmm. likes his fans anymore. I think that he used to. I think he got his fan base from his odd future days, from you know when he was on bullshit. And he grew up a little bit, and that same fan base has kind of stayed with him. And I don't think he likes his fans. I've seen him a couple times yeah. in shows, and I get the sense that he does not really care for the majority of his fan base. Even with this scent that just came out, before he dropped the scent, he was like, I want y'all to know this is not for everybody. Like, he was making it clear that, like, it's not for, it's not for my typical fans. Like, y'all gonna come in here. It's not mm-hmm. for you. You know, I'm trying to expand past. It's not he doesn't like them. He's definitely a little resentful of the fact that he attracted all these kind of like young white incels early on. Yes. Because he was acting like a young white incel. Yeah, you know, and so what did he expect? But now he's like, um he's not now I'm like I'm um, I'm thirty and I'm I'm like into like luxury goods. Yeah. And so you guys need to act right. Yeah. You know, like he's he's like I'm not like the you know, I'm not so I but I understand I could I imagine that's weird to also like be a person who like who has fans. You know what I'm saying? Like to be someone who who like uh a bunch of strangers are associated with you, you know, like in the wow, stuff that you do. You know, wait. That's, oh that my really god, odd. that is such a crazy way to put it. I have never thought about it like that. A bunch of strangers are associated with you. That fucking sucks. Yeah, isn't that weird? Wow. It must be so odd. But um, odd future. Okay, look, this is why we pay us the big bucks. Full circle, <laughs> right? Look at that. All right, we did. In my defense, uh, song of the week. I didn't. I don't have a song of the week. I, I, I really did not prepare for this damn podcast at all, y'all. Um, I don't have a song of the week, Jordan. Do you have a song that you want to tell the kids about? Any French shit you've been listening to out in France, Jordan? In France right now, y'all. <laughs> uh, oui, oui. Um, uh, d'accord. Bien <laughs> sûr. Uh, yes, actually, I, the YouTube algorithm served me up a hot one the other day. Let me tell you. Okay. So I was I was trying to clean up the kitchen, and I and I needed like I needed some like smooth string you know uh, ambient vibes yeah. and they served me this song called let us go into the house of the lord slash i don't know it's a, one of those that's too long for me to read on the on Spotify. Song? but it's a song off the no it sounds like it's a church song right it sounds like some jesus ass shit but it's a it's a ambient song from this dude named harold budd who uh was on a label that was run by brian eno who for those who know is like a legendary ambient and like uh rock alternative music producer and musician himself but i guess in the 70s he had this label called obscure records and this dude harold bud put out a, a ambient record on it and it's so nice i don't know like if you ever like in the house you just want some mellow mm-hmm. clean beautiful orchestral vibes mm-hmm. this is the song and the album for it. it's an album called the pavilion of dreams okay and um and the song the full title of the song is it's two songs. It's one, the first song is "Let Us Go Into the House of the Lord," and the second song is "Butterfly Sunday." And it's like they're together as a, a one track. 
Um, and it's it's beautiful. So guys, Ooh. yeah, yeah, yeah. So go 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 listen to that. If you're in the house, you want you cleaner, you just like chilling. You want like a nice little beautiful orchestral ambient beautiful thing playing in the background. I do um, want that. Send me that shout link. Shout out YouTube algorithm. Yeah, drop me, drop me that link, Jordan. Okay, when, you, when you get that, drop me that link. I do like a little ambient background. Lately, um, me and Garrick have been listening to classical music just while we work from home. You know, just have it playing in the background, mm-hmm. something like. And a song that was playing reminded me of Bella's Lullaby from Twilight, which is a, a, a classical song, but not really. You know what I mean? It's, it's from Twilight. Um, <laughs> so that's my song this week. Yeah, I just came up with that on the fly, too. If you have not heard. No, but them film scores. I don't know if I've heard that before, but the, the film scores always got that nice. That uh, Those are a good go to for yeah. like nice ambient uh working music oh sure throw that shit in the background i'm concentrating like a motherfucker i'm like oh maybe my mom should have listened to classical music while i was <laughs> in the womb because now, <laughs> now i'm concentrated as hell <laughs> so yeah that's my song for the week but yeah now we can move to uh the main section jordan basketball something that i know very little about um, I've learned who Wilt Chamberlain is. Um, I've learned uh, that LeBron James is number 34. Real quick, a story. I was at a bar. What? what? Oh, he's not number 34? Okay. <laughs> what no, number he's not. Is he? we'll, we'll come back. <laughs> he's not 34. Not he's number six. six now, but we'll go on. Go on. <laughs> okay, well, then my story not going to make no damn sense. I was at a bar. <laughs> 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 On the back of the toilet, it had a man, a black man, and a Lakers jersey, and they were wearing number 34. And I was like, I think it was number 34. And I was like, why they got Shaq in the wrong number? And then I sent it to Garrick, and Garrick was like, that's LeBron. And I was like, oh, well, maybe it wasn't number 34. Maybe it was, maybe it was a different number. What number did he used to have? He used to wear 23. Okay. Yes, 23. Yes. I was like, why they got Michael Jordan in a Lakers jersey? That's what I was that's what I was confused about. I was like, why they got Michael Jordan in a Lakers jersey in this bar? Like, what a weird cross-reference. <laughs> so I said that to Gary. He was like, babe. I'm dead. <laughs> that's that's, He's that's like, the listen. <laughs> Go. I was like, oh, I forgot um, he played for LA. Well, thank you for that that beautiful prelude to this section of the show because you know, this is uh you know, that's we're all about historical accuracy and, you know, factual, you know, deep research stuff here. So, you know, that's I feel that's appropriate. Um, yes, basketball. You know, I've, 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 this was one of the one of the first ideas I feel like we we talked about when we were conceiving when we were prepping this show. And it sounds odd because, you know, basketball is a thing that is, you know, historically, at least recently associated so deeply with blackness and black culture, black music. And, uh, you know, I think the countless songs I like to talk about, you know, like that bring that reference basketball players, that, that's become a whole trope in like, you know, popular rap is like, you know, is like, you know, whatever, you know, what did, what did, uh, Kanye say in that new song? I'm, I'm with the Bucks boy, like Giannis, like, you know, this is, you know, this, he yeah, comes no, to is like, nothing oh. to me. <laughs> <laughs> like he said, you know, I didn't um, <laughs> Yeah, no, but basketball is feels like a very black thing, you know. So it's strange for us to be like this uh, part of an episode about this. But the thing is, basketball was invented by a white Canadian man in like eighteen ninety whatever. Uh, basketball was invented by James Naismith, a man from Ontario, Canada. I think he he lives in Massachusetts, lives and worked in Massachusetts. 
and he introduced the sport to these kids at a YMCA, and then before going on to to I guess coach basketball at a uh, University of Kansas. There's a you know the picture of him with a peach basket and the leather ball that looks like a soccer ball, and that's that's the origins of basketball. It's not it didn't start in it didn't start in Long Beach. It didn't start in Harlem. It didn't start any, you know it didn't start in Chicago. It started in like. Massachusetts, Springfield, Massachusetts, with some guy in a peach basket. So, how did it become so black? Is the thing I'm, you know, I was curious about, and we're both kind of curious about. We, you know, so if it was appropriate to start with a little, some minor history stuff. So, I learned that one of the first black pioneers of basketball is a guy named Edward Bancroft Anderson, um, who in the early 1900s had spent a summer. Um, he was he was an educator and a, like a, a proponent of like physical activity and stuff like that, you know, which was like a burgeoning like field in the early 1900s. It wasn't like, you know how we all have gym class and stuff like that. Like that wasn't a, that wasn't always a thing. Is that you know, right? Like, people, like, were, they had kids just out here sitting. Right. Like they're like kids just run, run around and they play and whatever. And like, that's like that's what they do. But like it's not like a thing we think is like, you know, necessarily healthy for like. Right, right. And, be, and, then, and this is the thing that people were like only just looking into, you know, a, as an organized thing in the late 1800s, early 1900s. So the dude, Edward, Edwin Henderson is his name, not Anderson, Edward Henderson. He went, he, he was one of these like, you know, early educator, physical um, activity, uh, you know, sort of proponents. He did like some sort of summer program at Harvard in the early 1900s where he was introduced to basketball because, you know, it started in Springfield, Massachusetts, not too far away. And so he brought it back to, um, the black YMCA at, in, in DC where he was like living and working and he used to see some, some kids. And then soon it became this thing that like, what well, became a very popular sport amongst like black youth in, uh, in DC and it spread to other cities, you know, as these things do. Um, one of the first organized basketball teams ever was a, a team, was a club in Brooklyn, a black, all black team in Brooklyn, New York. Uh, and, but of course, basketball, you like all things around this, this the early nights in this time, it was segregated. So, you know, there was, uh, there was like largely played at universities and like, you know, organized groups amongst white people. But, um, there were, you know, there were obviously like black clubs that black, like, you know, played themselves and like, you know, uh, formed their own groups. And so basically by the twenties, there were like a, a, a whole cluster of black, uh, groups, you know, notably among them, Harlem Globetrotters, you know, which now is obviously a famous traveling entertainment thing. Um, but they, you know, and, and around that time, they were, you know, a real basketball club that competed in real basketball games. Um, and Will Chamberlain was was uh, notably a former Harlem Globetrotter. Uh, also among them was a team called the Harlem Wrens or the New York Renaissance, but they're they're colloquially known as like the Harlem Wrens. And they were they were a team based in New York as well, who um, in their 25 year history from 1923 to 1948 apparently won 83% of their games and they played white teams as well and like they were just like hoping like they were they were just like balls you know they, yeah. they couldn't be beat and so like you know black people were, were like obviously very good at this game you know from from a very early on in its history um and there's all these histories about you know and music you know there were there are certain venues of course that black people couldn't play in around this in, the, in this era and so like they'd had they started their own joints you know juke joints and all this stuff and the same thing happened with basketball apparently apparently like often you need space to have a basketball game right you need a whole place space right. to have a court and hoops and stuff like that and so one of the places where they realized they could have uh, enough space to do these was like the now popping up um music joints that were like in ballrooms that were happening and that were popping up around the twenties and thirties and stuff like that. Cause you know, jazz and music was becoming a live music and dancing were, were like all the craze. So these, 
they would have these like events where they'd be like music and basketball, you know, like it'd be like dance and beforehand. And then they'd have like basketball players. Uh, they have a basketball game in the dance hall, like, you know, um, afterward or before. And so like basketball and music also, you know, been taught for a long time, but yada, 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 blah, blah, blah. Fast forward to 1950s and 60s, the NBA, the then and the still now, you know, biggest league of professional basketball teams integrates and they let they let black players start playing. And um, by the 50s, a dude from San Francisco, from Oakland named um, Bill Russell becomes a member of the Celtics. I've heard of him. And he, he, they go on to win however many zillion championships in the 50s and 60s. He at one point is both a player and a coach and the captain. Stop it. Um, he becomes like, well, yeah, he's one of the first like black stars of uh, of the NBA. What um, he look like? And he... Like an old man now. I'm, well, I'm positive of that. And then, and like right, a little long, a little bit after him, he's joined by Wilt Chamberlain, who you uh, Sequoia, you know, obviously just is a uh, is a super fan of. Yeah. And they become some of the, the two earliest, you know, black stars of the NBA. And Wilt Chamberlain is no, most famously scored 100 points in a game. Yeah. Which is a feat that hasn't has still hasn't been topped. Oh, that's crazy shit. And. You know, they became the first two big black stars in the NBA. And then obviously after that, a whole legion of kids want to play basketball. They see these two dudes, you know, making more money than most black people make and, you know, being on TV and like living flashy lives. And and now, you know, we have uh, the NBA that we have now, which is predominantly young black men with locks and or braids. Yes. Who, uh, Ooh, niggas love to have locks and who, braids nowadays. Jordan got braids right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the braids are making a comeback and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm with You're that. You're here for that. Yeah. Basketball has just become like, you know, a part of black culture in a way that like music is a part of black culture. Yep. You know, it's become this thing that's like, you know, so tightly wo- woven to it. Um, and so, I don't know. I don't know if you had any ideas about like why you think that is Sequoia. Like- I don't know why that transition happened. I don't know, but I know that in rap music specifically, there's so many basketball references all of the time. Drake has that one bar that's like, um, mm, ball and music are so synonymous because we want to be them and they want to be us. That seems to very much be the case. Hasn't there been... Did, didn't Kobe make a rap song? Am I tripping? Did Kobe make a rap song? My name is Tom Buck, and this is The Enthusiasm Project. Join me each week for deep dives exploring the world of what it means to be an independent creator on YouTube, starting your own creative business, and keeping a positive, enthusiastic mindset along the way. New episodes of The Enthusiasm Project are available every Monday, wherever you get your podcasts. No, Kobe had a whole rap, like a minor rap career. He had a, he's like a verse on a Brian McKnight song. Right. Oh my God, on a Brian McKnight song. And Shaq too, right? Shaquille O'Neal had four like uh, studio albums in the 90s with like Jay-Z verses and Biggie verses. Stop it. Yes, there's like a Shaq Biggie song on YouTube. Look look it up. That's yes. crazy It's shit. crazy. No, that's crazy shit. Yeah. No, Shaq was fully like major label. That, 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 I don't even understand. I literally don't even understand, but... Yeah, so it's something to it. It's something to it. In the same way that black people are just musical, black people in basketball is just like a thing. Like that's just the thing. Part of it, I think, is that like you know, like we said, this was one of the first venues in which black athletes were like making lots of money. You know, like and you know what I mean. Um, mm-hmm. Like you know, baseball. Jackie Robinson broke the color barrier with baseball. I believe in the forties or the uh, well, either the forties or the fifties. 
And like bas- and baseball for a long time was like the biggest sport in America, you know, it was like an American pastime. But basketball, you know, I think was the first sport where like you see you saw an influx of guys. And also it like there's like a, a, a style to basketball. Baseball is so, you know, straight running and straight it lines is. and hitting the ball. It's and nothing it's so sexy about a baseball player. It's nothing sexy about baseball. No, there's uh, there's nothing sexy about baseball, about baseball play. There's nothing like there's nothing rhythmic about the game. Well, there's there's some rhythm, but it's it doesn't have the flow no. of it, you know, way that I feel like it's very fitting that like basketball is happening in dance halls in the twenties and stuff like that because like it's a very beautiful, sensual movement, rhythmic game, yep. you know. And I think that like as we've like talked about a lot in different and various topics in this on this show, like that that those things are like synonymous with blackness across cultures, you know, like. uh like rhythm and movement and uh, attention to beauty. There's a beauty to the way basketball is played. Yeah, and I yeah. feel like uh, black people, you know, we, we love, we love to, we love to make shit beautiful. That don't need to be beautiful. 100%, you know, like 100%. There's, there's no reason some of those recipes slapped away, like those, like the leftover food that was the, they were given the slaves, <sighs> like the way those recipes slapped the way they Chitterlings, do. Like I told y'all. <laughs> oh my gosh. Like, <laughs> I keep trying to tell you. The word that shall not be uttered aside, yes, but you're right. Exactly. Um, mm-hmm. There's no reason, like, protective styles, like, braids should should be that as hot as they, as they point. are. That is such a good point. Didn't braids, like, somebody told me that, like, cornrows were, like, a thing during the the Middle Passage, the transatlantic sure. slave trade, yeah. And, like, they were hiding rice in the cornrows. Like, somebody told me that's how. Word. I'm like, that's crazy. Yeah, and now the girls out here with yeah. braids every motherfucking summer looking like baddies. And what about mm-hmm. exactly? Half these things that we do and that like and that have become like codified into black culture are often born of necessity. They're born of like of like a certain other purpose. But like black people find a way to incorporate style and beauty into it because that's like a thing that we we have a proclivity to do. And I think basketball is a sport that like is like a canvas that can be very expressive. You can be very expressive on. And the way that baseball you can and football you can't oh, as much. Yeah. That is such a good idea. That is such a good idea. You get to see their faces or like that's such a good point. Like mm-hmm. you you can see everybody's faces on the basketball court. They all do they all wear the same shoes or do they sometimes get to wear their own shoes? They will they all wear their different shoes now. Um back in the day they wore kind of the same shoes. Right. Yeah. Like now they all get to wear their their own little swaggy shoe. They got their numbers mm-hmm. and their names on the back of the shit. Like, it's just a very cool, right. like, just a very cool, I don't even know how to put it, but it's just so, into, like, you could tell each each player, like, you say a lot, you could tell each player just by the, how they're moving around the court. A lot of times when I'm watching a basketball game, I can't actually tell who that is, but I know the ones that I know when I see them, even though they're little small specks because of how they move about the court. Exactly, and that paired with the fact that you, Will Chamberlain was probably the first nigga anybody saw driving a Rolls Royce and like and like you know wearing Crazy. furs and, and like him and Clyde, you know, like that paired with those, those things. You're like, why wouldn't I want to be a basketball player? Right. You know, they, that they're living a life. It's 1973. I'm living in in Southside Chicago. I've never seen a, a, right. like a, a car that wasn't a, a beater. Right. And so, uh, yeah. So, like, I think it like that paired with like you know the obvious like rags to riches uh opportunity it offered like you know of course like you know, people were gonna pour into it and then yeah then, then of course we get michael jordan who was like this like you know generational pop culture figure generational athlete he like made basketball look on the court look so cool and like seem so cool and he had like the, the swag and his act like the things we we're talking about like introduced like you know 
like this whole sneaker culture, I think I think it just was one of those things that kept building, you know, like the 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 thing the reason to like it continue to like present themselves. Yeah. Like now there's a whole industry, a whole like Instagram social media world built around like athletes style off the court, yeah. you know, like like their pregame fits yes. and shit like that. Um and it's like it's like almost like there's always there's like continually opening up new ways for like ex- black expression in this in this space. For sure. Wait, who are your some who are your favorite like off fit dressers or off the court dressers for for the NBA? This is a good question. I just recently became aware of this guy. He has a long name. I can't uh it's something Alexand Alexander something Alexander Walker on the on the uh on the New Orleans Pelicans. He's got I I just was saw had pictures of him the other day and he has some incredible fits off the court. A lot of these younger players feel like they share at least one stylist with Drake. Okay. In that way. Yes. hundred <laughs> percent. You know, yep. like where there's like there's lots of like chrome hearts and like uh Air Force One collabs yes. and um yes. cool boot cut jean <laughs> energy vintage t shirt, you know. Oh, this boy is so young. <laughs> it was it looked like his name is Nikel, maybe? Nikel Alexander Walker. Yeah, yeah. Nikhil. Uh-huh. Yeah. Oh, he's Canadian? Oh, interesting. More Drake connection. Uh-huh. Um, Campbell Walker, the God. Campbell Walker from the Bronx, but he played at UConn, so he's a Connecticut legend. Okay. We will sort of claim him. <laughs> he, he he also pulls some bit. He Campbell Walker. I don't know where I have it saved, but there's a photo of him wearing this beautiful like fake silk or silk um, like Cuban shirt, like a short sleeve button down. Yeah. You know, like that you wear like maybe to the beach. You know, yeah. sort of thing. But it, it's got printed on it a still from the movie. Fallen Angels by Wong Kar Wai, who's this like uh, Hong Kong uh, director, and this movie Fallen Angels is from like the nineties. I I don't know where he got this shirt or who made it, <laughs> but it's like the hardest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> uh, and like you can't like, I'll, I'll send you the image that he has on the shirt. I I don't know have the picture of him in the shirt, but I'll send you the image that he has on the shirt. It's so cool. So he's he's been known to do some things, but like a lot of these players, the the Achilles heel of us young black men in general is the ultra tight, skinny, ribbed, distressed gene. Oh, my God. I think that is a pandemic that we're not talking about nearly oh enough. Oh, my God. <sighs> I think it's plaguing It's a plaguing Black communities. God. I think we we need to get Jesse Jackson on this. We need to get Al Sharpton Quickly, on this. I think we need to get Reverend, our... where are you? <laughs> why Why is no one talking about this? Why Why? Why, why has there not been a segment on CNN? Katie Couric, where are you at? What y'all doing? What y'all doing? When are we going to address this? You know what I mean? Please, please. Somebody save my people. Blah. Those ribbed. Rip distress, acid wash. Acid wash. Elephant in the room. You know? <gasps> oh, my God. It really it's it's, so it's, bad. It, it's, you can't see my face, but I'm I'm distressed. Um, <laughs> but um, like these jeans. Right. Except for occasionally falling into that hole. Kemba's a great dresser. Um, and I feel like the same could be said for a lot of these players. Like that, that is the Achilles heel of a lot of these players. Who else is a good dresser? Oh, Bowl Bowl. Bowl Bowl is a uh, is a uh, his dad is was the name Manute Bowl. He's like, where are they? Where are they from? They're from South Sudan, and he's just like this tall. He must be like seven eight. This this boy is 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 so tall, but he he wears. He's like one of those. I feel like he's affiliated with like Playboy Cardi, like ASAP Mob. I think he hangs out with mm. uh, an ultra canceled Ian Connor. Got it. Got it. Got it. Got it. Oh, so he okay. So he dresses, but he. Right, he's on a high fashion shit. Look, I was just saying a photo of him. Bo Bowl is like Bo Bowl is like on that on that Rick Owens type shit. I feel like he's he's on some other shit. Oh, okay, this is cute. Okay, we see a fit. 
Yeah, that's cute. He don't have he don't have them ultra tight fucking ribbed distressed pants on. Yeah, he's letting his legs breathe, which is I feel like everybody can learn from that. Learn oh, from both. he's getting this fit off. His draft suit is crazy. His draft suit. Oh, this this floral pants or whatever the fuck with this puffer jacket. Uh huh. And the icy wrists. Yeah, he's giving. Bobo's low key the hardest out. Yeah, Bol Bol is his name. Mm-hmm. Oh, interesting. Okay, with the spider web. Okay, Spidey. Yeah, with the off off white uh, Air Forces on, he he's, he knows what he's doing. Bobo's like, I be on I be on the mood boards. He's like, <laughs> Bobo's a gunner. I am a mood. He Bobo. He's like, I got gunner saved on my phone as P P emoji. Period. So don't play with me. Obsessed. <laughs> love it. I love this. This is very cute. Yeah, no, Bobo's very drippy. So uh, now, how do we find clothes to fit him? This man is tall as fuck. Right. He's he's like. I think literally seven two. That's wild. No, he's really long. Like I could just tell from looking at this photo, he looks oddly long. Those pants look like they're going for a really long time. And I don't. How did he even find <laughs> yeah, he, of, Like he must. Mm-hmm. He must have the custom custom link or something. Because I don't. Right. I don't know where he on call. Oh, these short shorts he got on are big short. and tall. Is not doing awful. Right, big and tall is not doing it. Yeah, yeah. And those are probably large. These are probably right. These are probably the longest shorts that they could give him. And these are at the middle of his thigh. Right. Yeah. No, <laughs> he got on short shorts. I don't know how he. Where he found that puffer at, but they must have combined two puffers to make that I one puffer. I swear to God, they definitely sewed together two <laughs> separate puffers to make this one puffer. Absolutely. Okay, so sometimes the NBA boys be dripping. They they little they they get off. They they get the fits off, and I feel like it's become this like new uh, like the new influencer zone is like basketball players um, and be you know like I feel like there's been a lot of uh, attention on on basketball as this like space for high fashion or whatever. Right. You know. Right. I don't know. I think basketball just has a cool to it. I mean, I think it's the other factor. Basketball just has this like indescribable cool to it that I feel like a lot of sports don't don't have. It definitely does. It definitely does. And you know what? Okay, basketball has like this middle ground between baseball and football in that baseball is like kind of corny TVH. Like, you know, like it's just like very upright. Like there's no real risk to it. It it doesn't seem, you know, like whatever. You you hit this ball, you run a little short distance, and that's hey, about that, it. That, that's right. Like it's just like a little bit of corny. And then football, mm-hmm. the brain damage, you know what I mean, caused by football gives a little bit of right. concern and pause. It is more concern than anything. Right, you know, like, it's just like a lot of concern there. Yeah. And like, although right, they right, look right. good, the football players be looking good. You know, you're like, okay, these niggas, you know, they look like they could do something. They also right. might. But why does he keep waking up in the middle of the night swinging? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you might not make it through, though. And I don't want to be involved with right. that. But basketball players seem like they're in that good middle ground. It's swaggy. They got a little bit of risk. You know, right, niggas right. be getting hurt. You know, we like that. We we like a, a potential get hurt. <laughs> That's cute. And and it's not crazy to where I'm scared to wake up next to you. So it's good. It's beautiful. Oh, and, and I was going to say, like, we can't leave this podcast without talking about, about basketball, without talking about Basketball and black people specifically, but I'm talking about Allen Iverson. Oh, duh. Oh, my God. We was about to try to get off here without talking about fucking Allen Iverson. A game changer. Wow. And game changer. And so, Sequoia, like, for, to provide the basketball, the NBA historical context for this man. He So, in the, in the 90s, the, 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 story, the, the classic story is in the 90s, Michael Jordan was, like, the, the you know, the mayor. He was, like, the big man in town, right? Everybody wanted to be like Michael. Everybody did what Michael did. He was, like, the guy. Right. And so Michael's whole game was, like, off the court. 
Armani suits, the billowy, beautiful Armani suits, the Ferrari, you know what I'm saying? Like, like very like classy, a businessman, like he was his energy. And then Allen Iverson comes around and Allen Iverson, of course, is like, you know, a generation below Michael Jordan. He, he arrives in the mid nineties. Michael Jordan arrives in the mid eighties. Allen Iverson is a, is like a young kid from Virginia Beach, like, you know, from the hood. Like, he had braids in, in the NBA before anybody was really wearing braids. Yeah, straight backs. And, like, had a bunch of visible tattoos, which before, believe it or not, before Allen Iverson was not very common really? in the NBA, having a bunch of visible tattoos. Okay. Yes. And, like, he, this is how much he changed the par- the visual paradigm. Fuck of the yeah. And, and he would wear, like, headbands, a bunch of unnecessary, like, accoutrement on his body you know like he wore the shooting sleeve people weren't wearing shooting sleeves before and wow. Allen Iverson, really Iverson changed the fucking game turned the whole aesthetic like look of the game and so and and the way he played to put like the chariot top was just like more street than most people like you know it's way more like you know the dancing yeah. than it was you know yeah, like it was the conventional basketball yeah. right like like Michael Jordan was like you know the like kind of uh like rigid like not rigid but like exacting beautiful ballet right, artist right and, and the way he played alan iverson was like like a like, 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 a like the kids you see on tiktok now like <laughs> right like he was like a cropper he was like just smooth with it you right. know what i'm saying like sturdy like you know what i'm saying like yeah. he he had a whole different swag to him and um and that was like that just like was eye-opening for the game and like they they actively pushed against it when he first got there like well i got if you watch like listen to like on youtube there'll be old broadcasts and they'll be like what's that on his head you know what is his <laughs> hair what is he doing Iverson checking in with his tattoos that nigga no, you know, like, that's the, <laughs> that is the whole t- timbre of, of how they talk about him for like five years until he becomes like the norm that nigga yeah Right, like, and they 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 put in a dress code in part in response to Allen Iverson off co- off the court, where like players before were permitted to do what they wanted to do, but like most players would just wear a suit because that was just like what they did. Mm-hmm. You know, that's what Michael Jordan did. That's what a lot of the co- people did. So they just wear suits. Yeah. But then Allen Iverson would show up to games and like whatever the fuck he wanted, like a sweatsuit. Mm-hmm. You know, like whatever the fuck he wanted to wear in nineteen ninety eight, two thousand, and and they were like, you know what, that is too niggardly. Right. You must wear a suit. Right. So. They put a and they put in a rule in part in response to Allen Iverson and the wave he started to for players to wear uh, certain clothes on the sidelines if they were if they were not playing that night and they were going to be sitting on the bench they had to be wearing a suit. That's so weird. And that lasted until very recently. That's very weird. Yeah. And yeah, so they were trying to police him and like like his his impact on like I mean I'm born in 1995 but by the time when I was like in my youth years as a a young recreational basketball player, shout out Hampton Fathers Rec League 2005 2006 All Star. Okay, I was about to ask nine you. Nine and 10 boys. I was about to ask right. you, did you play? Yeah, okay. All right. No, don't don't play with me. Um. <laughs> anyway, but in my, and like, I, oh, oh, one to 06, you know, when I'm playing basketball as a little kid, he was like the one we were like, everybody wanted to look like. My, yes. my friend BJ, like, had all his shoes. Like, you know, we like, we like wore like the little t-shirts, you know, like the headbands and shooting sleeves. Yes. We all wanted to be I like. I remember Iverson. that era of little boys yes. being, trying to be like AI. I didn't know who that was at the time, but like I absolutely remember that era. And also that 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 sort of disposition of like being like I'm gonna do whatever I want because I can do whatever I want because it's because it, it's cool and that's and I I know I'm cool. That is like the whole NBA energy now. He made that okay. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. He was like, he was like, yeah. Are you not going to tell me what to do? Like his one of his most famous moments is like he he didn't show up to a practice or, and a, a, or a game, and then like these the reporters are like, 
always trying to like make build a narrative around him being un, unruly and disorderly and like you know not being a team player and he's like I forget there was there was important context around why he went out the game. I think a friend had passed or something uh, had like serious had happened yeah, in his life. Yeah. And he was like, Y'all are telling me I are you trying to just call me uh unprofessional, tell me I'm doing whatever because I missed a practice. I don't give a fuck about that. You know, like I don't give a, a fuck about like that. you know, I, I show up I show every game every night and score thirty points Period. and carry this team on my back. Yeah, and you're you're telling me I can't miss a practice. Don't tell him don't talk to me about practice. You niggas need to practice. <laughs> Isn't he short? Right, no, he's he's uh he's He's an icon. And yeah, and he was small for his... He was small for relatively... He's like probably six feet tall. Six feet, which right. Is, you know, which is, which is still short for the NBA. Yeah. Like somebody in fucking six feet... Seth Curry is short for the NBA. Isn't he like 6'3"? Right, right. Yeah. Exactly. So he was he was like uh, notoriously pretty small for, for the NBA, but like still one of the greatest players of his generation. And so like that was inspiring too. That was like all these little kids were like, I could be like AI. He's not that big. Right, and right. And like he's, he's still dominating. Yeah, so he's he's a game changer, and we couldn't do this podcast without mentioning him. I can't believe we was going to try to get off here without mentioning Allen Iverson. I know, I that was, was crazy, but say, I'm so sorry. Right, that's you, Jordan. I was going to say, you. so you did play basketball. Mm-hmm. Okay, me as well. Continue to. Hmm? Oh, okay, talk to mm-hmm. him. All right. Yeah, I played what, a little bit of basketball. About? Long Beach Rec League? Um, I played for my middle school. <laughs> you can see her, she's adjusting her hair. <laughs> uh, okay. I played for my middle school, you know. I was, um, I don't know basketball positions, but I know that I played one of the wings, okay? And mm-hmm, mm-hmm. a little shooting guard, a little two, three. You know, I was, I was a little two, three action, doing a little something, something. And I hyperextended my leg. I hyperextended my oh, knee no. <laughs> before <laughs> the season started. Oh, no. And I um, was on crunch, crutches for the next six months. And thus, I didn't get to play that uh-huh. year. But the following year, I tried out again, and I made it again. And I scored mm-hmm. a basket in the other team's basket. And they gave it to the other team. Okay. And that shit was mad fucking embarrassing. Oh, oh no, Sequoia. <laughs> Sequoia, no. That shit was, because once I did it, like, you know, we had just switched for halftime or whatever. So I was so confused. I thought that I thought that we were still yeah. on that other basket. And so I ran down there. Nobody, yeah. I thought I had gotten a fast break on these niggas. Nobody was after me, whatever. I was like, <laughs> yeah. They're like, no, 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 no. I'm dead. Shot in that bitch. Like, probably one of the only times I scored anything during the season, of course, because it was very uncontested. And um, they gave that shit to the other team. And I was like, wow, you niggas are a piece of work. You knew that was a fucking accident. And you gonna give it to the other team. <laughs> How dare you? You niggas are a piece of work. You niggas are a piece of work. The gall of you to enforce the rules. Like, how dare you? Now you're trying to embarrass me. at insult the entry. I already did this shit. Now you want to give it to them? How dare you? So needless to say, I got pulled out yeah, and really didn't up. get picked back in for the rest of the season. Um... Yeah, but I play. You know, you know, I, you know, what I can do. I can spin the ball on my finger to this day because I spent a lot of time on the oh, bench learning crazy. that shit. So yeah, mm-hmm. boom. I can imagine you. Uh, what you call it? Like uh, um, boxing, like girls out and like fighting for the ball. I feel like whenever I watch the middle school game, they always fighting for the yeah, ball. Yeah, snatch that shit. <laughs> it, was, it was right. It was like boxing class for those little girls. It, is. it was like like that's how you get that aggression out. That's definitely it. Um, well, podcast, I have to pee, so you guys can go sit tight. And I'm done. No, talk we're done. No, we're quick. done. This is the end of the podcast. Um, <laughs> Jordan, you go pee. I'll do the outro. <laughs>
Anyways, y'all, this nigga really went to go use the bathroom. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of Black People Love Paramore. If you liked it, feel free to rate us five stars, of course. Uh, you can reach us on social media at BPLP Pod across all platforms. And then if you want to email us questions, if you have ideas for a topic that you think that we should cover, you can email us at blackpeopleloveparamore at gmail.com. And um, we'll see you on the next episode. Bye, y'all.